Welcome to Well Maybe, a podcast about our communication and leadership. I am your host, Breon Fraction, along with Alan Orr, consultants and strategists, and just two ordinary guys in the world of workplace and community engagement. What I'm saying is, it's important for us to learn how to connect people to their purpose. I think a lot of organizations talk about their mission and their goals, but the follow through has been an issue that I've seen with getting people engaged and aligned with the purpose and what the employees can do to make sure that they are connected to um, that mission. Or purpose. Absolutely, because you may start out by being in a position where you just need to make the money because you've got bills to pay and take care of your family. But you don't want people to stay in that place. You want people to understand that what they do has value that's far greater than just the fact that they need to be able to make a paycheck and pay and make and pay their bills. And so sometimes you can hire someone who has just a need to have a job and then you can instill in them an understanding of what the value of that job is and in the process create a pretty fantastic employee who may not have come on board with a full understanding of everything that that position and that organization did but as they've embedded themselves into that organization they become more and more invested in it and they become more valuable to the company and to the organization as a whole because they start to not only see and understand, but to really believe and embrace these cultural um, pieces that are important for the community to do well and for that business to do well in that community, I guess I should say. You know, once a person comes in, it's important for someone to start telling the story about why that business exists. But I also think about huge government organizations. How do they start to share the reason that they exist? I think there's still a story somewhere that you can pull out and get people aligned with that story and, and that purpose. I would agree with that. I, I think it's sometimes easier in private business and nonprofit organizations. Nonprofit, yeah. yeah that's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Probably the I, easiest organizations to find purpose in. Yeah I, yeah, I think it would be easier to bring on a new employee into that environment because they're not far removed from the people who created that organization and still have the vision for why they created it and what its purpose is to begin with. And so I think in those smaller organizations that are like that, both nonprofit and private sector businesses, they they can still reach out to that person that just come comes on today and say, hey, look, this is why I started this organization and this is why it mattered to me and we're going to bring you in and this is your role and we see you doing these things, but we also see you playing a bigger part of the picture of what this culture looks like and what my vision is for this organization. Now, that that's easier conveyed by someone who is boots on the ground. They, they may have started the organization, but they have their hand still in the day-to-day operations of it. A little bit more difficult to do in governmental situations where those um, visions are not as clearly explained to those line staff employees from the someone who may be the director of the organization mm-hmm. or maybe the um, 
secretary um, of of the department, uh, particularly at state and federal levels. That, that there's a lot of levels between those, and so number one, those people don't oftentimes have an opportunity to hear directly from the people at the top. Number two, that those cultures have been established for many, many generations of workers. And so over time, the whole purpose for it being can get lost if it isn't explained and shared throughout the transition of employees over the course of many years. So it's much more difficult to be able to do it in that environment. I'm not saying it can't be done. Oh, it can be done. It it certainly can be done. Uh, It's just more difficult to do. Right. Think about this. Let's say you've got in an... um, in a governmental organization, you might have 10 or 12 levels between the person who is the line staff employee and the person at the top. Mm-hmm. Well, in order for that vision from the top to get all the way to the bottom, those people that are in all those levels between have to fully understand and embrace it. And also, and we talked about this the other day, be able to articulate it and explain it to those that are coming on below them. Right. And someone have to, teach those people who have to teach the people who are coming in under them. That's right. And so there's a domino effect, right? Or people who may be transitioning into their space, mm -hmm. their equals. And so what happens is because there are so many layers, there's a disconnect and the frontline new employees that come on, they don't necessarily hear and understand the vision that uh, is expressed and understood at the top. But the truth of the matter is that those that are in the middle that may have been there for a little bit, little bit of a time who feel like they know a little bit of what's going on, they may not necessarily fully uh, agree and embrace with what happened uh, or w- the um, understanding and vision that came above them. So uh, it's, it's a slow degradation from you know, the top all the way down those 10 or 12 levels to to the bottom. And so if you've played the old telephone game that kids play where you sit around in a circle and one Mm -hmm. person whispers in the uh, ear of the next and and they pass it around, it does not sound the same when it comes around to the other side. I think that's kind of how it happens in those organizations that have so many levels. And so to combat that, we have to really look at that that middle piece, those levels in, in the center, the, the center of the sandwich, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and help them to make sure that they understand that what their role is as far as their own personal understanding of that, but also their role in explaining it in a way to those below them that help them to get it and understand it as well. So to facilitate that change, you're not only helping them understand the purpose or what the strategic plan is, you're also helping them to start explore their own values and how they work within the system, um, how they've historically worked within the system. Like you said, there are always going to be people kind of in that mid-range, you know, we call them middle managers, but we also know in a bureaucratic system, there are actually middle managers on several different levels. There's upper middle and lower middle and right. it, it, <laughs> exactly. it sounds like classes of people, uh, but um yeah, so that's what we're talking about. And so it's really important to get the, those people that are in the center to fully understand and embrace. I, I can look at my own experiences. There have been times when I was asked to really look and involve myself with strategic planning at, say, the state level. 
there was an expectation from the top that we create a localized strategic plan for what we were, were doing and what we wanted to do over the course of a certain period of time in the future. And those folks in the center of the sandwich didn't fully understand the expectation or didn't fully understand um, what we wanted, where we wanted to go with that. Maybe they didn't even embrace the process. And so when that happens, what that really looks like is, well, we've, we've been tasked with doing this. We have to do it. So let's sit down and figure it out. Is that okay? Sometimes there are those people who have that attitude that I've been tasked to do this, so I'm going to do it. I may not fully believe in it, but I'll do it anyway. Sometimes I see that as an opportunity to help people initiate their understanding of the information and then bringing good facilitators to help them start exploring what they're doing. Okay, you may not want to do this or you may have been voluntold to do this, but let me help you explore, try to help you open your eyes to the situation you've actually been put in. Well, I think when you see that happen, there's always an opportunity there to take a step back from what your intended purpose is in the moment to recognize the coaching opportunity that's presented to you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we really do need to step back and say, just a second, before we delve into the requirements of what we've been asked to do, let's make sure that everybody at the table has a good understanding of why this is important. At the end of the day, it's really important for us to always go back to the why. Yeah, you know, why, why this is important to who and to what. Absolutely. And let's let's have that conversation conversation very transparently and establish those so that uh, I might think the other people at the table have an understanding and they may not or they may think I have an understanding and I may not. So how are we going to know that unless we have some good dialogue about it and have some open and honest conversation to make sure that we're all coming from the, the same place as far as why is this important and what does this really mean? to our day-to-day operations and our outcome. We're onboarding often because organizations just, they change. The idea of why the organization exists sort of changes in people's minds. You have to keep people, again, aligned with that. And when you have older employees who've been there, let's just call them seasoned employees, it's hard to get them on board of, of that change. Well, we know that change is hard for all of us, some more than others, but none of us embrace it uh, uh, just because someone brings up the idea that we need to do something different. Uh, rarely do you have anyone that just says, okay, that sounds great. Let's just do it because it sounds like something new to do. Um, there may be a few people out there, but there really are a few. Um, most people are somewhat hesitant or skeptical to to do change, and, and I think we're a creature of habit. Most of us, we like to feel like we know what's going on and what to expect. And then we tend to think that that's what we should continue to do because that's what we know. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of books out there talking about um, thinking outside the box and, and being uh, creative and how we go about business. And I, I think there are a lot of good ones out there that talk about that. But at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to challenge ourselves to look for ways to be better and not just prop our feet up on our desk and throw our hands behind our head and say, yeah, we got this. We know what we're doing just because we've done it for 10 years. Uh, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And uh, I think we really have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone uh, 
um, and look at ways that we can do things differently and more creatively. And to be perfectly honest, I think the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has really pushed us to, uh, to look at things in very creative ways that I know from a, uh, from a governmental standpoint, we may not have looked at had that not been a necessity. It's been in almost every organization that, that the organization had to start looking at, you know, policies and procedures, their practices, um, how they do their work. COVID has changed that for a lot of people. Um, virtual became a major part of how they do services, how they um, do their meetings. Their employees started to really think about the reason that they're doing work for that organization. If they wanted to return back to work, what value they bring to the job or what value that job adds to their life. Employees are now challenging the status quo and things are, are really changing. Some of the people at the forefront of these changes in the way of thinking about work are younger employees. Leadership are trying to figure out how to connect with these younger employees who are demanding organizations start looking at their practices and habits. It's probably time to step back and reassess um, how you want to run your organization and how you start to align people with the organization's purpose. I think it's time that we do that. I think it's time that it's past time that we do that. And I think that we're in a situation right now where it's become very much a necessity. Everywhere we look, we find um, businesses and organizations that are looking for quality people to come work for them. I mean, doesn't matter what your business is right now there there are ample job opportunities available and um, there's just not enough people that you know are, are applying to those positions uh, and it doesn't matter what your business is uh, what your organization's job functionality or responsibility is um, or what widgets you make you're looking for quality people right now and so we're kind of in an unprecedented place right now. We can't always rely on what history tells us is, is the way to go because we're really, we're out, out of, we're in uncharted waters. I guess we're doing, yeah, we're, so, we're, we're in something totally different. Right. So I think going back to your point, I think today's worker is looking for more than what they have historically looked for. I think they're looking for a place that has, a good culture. I think they're looking for a place that has um, accountability. Uh, I think they're looking for a place that provides them with purpose. Um, and I think they're looking to companies to be more than just money makers mm -hmm. these days. I, I think no longer is it okay for our, our business to just be about making money right now. People are asking them, well, and, and in addition to that, what do you do? Right. You know, um, we're looking for companies that are willing to take on some community responsibility, exactly. which I think historically is not something that we've looked to businesses to do. But you know, I was having this conversation with my son some time back. But what happens if you work for a conglomerate that has all the money they need to make? Mm -hmm. You know, some of these top companies in the in the world. You know, if if their entire business model is to just simply make money, at what point do they say, okay, we have all the money we need. Right. We, How we much can, more money do we, we need? We can buy whatever we want to do. We can grow whatever we want to grow. Um, so then there starts to be a question about, okay, now what? 
Um, and I think the now what is, well, what do we, what responsibility do we have to our communities? So if we're to the communities, we are affecting by building in those communities, the families. And that's not just businesses. Um, I mean, nonprofits and community organizations and governmental agencies as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what we want to know is what let's look at things from a more holistic approach. You know, what are we doing for the communities? What are we doing for the schools? What are we doing for, you know, first responders? What are we doing for our hospitals? And um, how are we making life better mm-hmm. um, for the people that work for us and, and that use our services? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really like that approach because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans. You know, we, we have a time that we go to work, but then when we're not working, what do we value? What do, what do we do in our downtime from work? You know, generally we're talking about things like families and and hobbies and activities and um, maybe those those can look a lot different from one place, one person to the next. But at the end of the day, you've got some time other than work that you do things and, and most people value the time they spend outside of work. And so as a company, you know, I think we need to embrace that more to really encourage uh, our employees to have, you know, well-rounded lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I firmly believe that if you're, if you're happy at home, then you're going to make a better employee. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and if you're happy at work, you're going to be- make a better husband or, or wife or, or spouse. The more you're involved in that kind of stuff, I think the happier you, you are as a person. We have to focus on employee well-being, people's mental health, I read this article just recently. Work 30 years ago, they didn't even talk about people's mental health. And I thought 30 years ago, 10 years ago, we weren't talking about employee mental health. How do we expect people to come in, do a great job, and it be a healthy environment, and we're not talking about people's mental health? This has been an evolution over time, right? And... I know that, I mean, I've been in the work environment myself for over 30 years, and I know that it is very different now than it was when I finished college and went to work. And I think my experience is not dissimilar to the majority of people who were employed at that time and even before that. Let's go back historically to, again, the purpose of business and organizations. We were we had a clear cut um, performance based objective. We were going to make widgets and we were going to sell those widgets and we were going to make money or there was some other purpose to the organization, but it was very purpose driven and focus based and performance. Yes. On performance. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think what's happened and evolved over the course of, of the years is that we have a greater understanding now that there's more than that, that it's not just about how many widgets we can make and how many dollars we can we can make. It, it's more about in order for me to create a good culture and atmosphere for my employees, then I need to pay more attention to what their needs are. What changed? What was the shift in people's mentality for us to start focusing on mental health and people's happiness at work? I've been in the in the field for over 20 years. Was mental health an issue? Did we have people with mental health issues at work? Yeah, I think that stuff's around. What did we do 
in the past to address those issues? Well, you know, I don't think this change has occurred overnight. And I also don't think that every business and every organization has even changed yet. Right. I think there are absolutely businesses and organizations out there today who, who are 98% of the time focused on the, the outcome, the, the bottom line, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's making money or whatever it is, that's their focus. And, they're they're you know gonna lo- they lose employees and they try to replace those employees with and they new pay more and, to and, own board and and it's a you know recurring cycle um but i do think more and more business and organizations are coming to the realization that we need to look at the whole person that we hire mm-hmm. and how we can l- make our culture a better place, therefore make their um, experiences more positive and hold on to them longer or um, encourage them to do more or internalize the whole purpose while we're there, which brings our conversation back to where we started. Um, So I think we're seeing more and more of that, and I'm not saying we're there. There's certainly work to be done in uh, uh, in this process for sure. But I think we're better than we have been in the past, and I think we continue. We should continue down this pathway. Agree. It's the right thing to do. Um, you know, right now I, I touched on the fact that every business is looking for employees, but let's don't forget that every business is struggling with retention as well. Exactly. Uh, so it's not that I'm just looking for employees, but I'm also losing employees fast, and I'm I'm hemorrhaging talent, and that's not a good place to be. I need to try to figure out what's going on, what, what's causing, uh, the folks that we're leaving, particularly good employees, what's causing them to leave us. And if it's, if it's a cultural issue, then we really need to address that. Um, no matter what it is, it needs addressed. It needs to, yeah. But, um, you know, it's not always that I left this job because I'm looking for more money. It's, I've heard it said before, people don't leave jobs because of money. They leave jobs because of people. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's some truth to that. So that really kind of goes to the heart of that whole culture piece. Um, we we have, if we're going to retain and obtain quality talent, then we have to really look at our culture, our outcomes, uh, and what we value. It can start during the hiring process, even before the hiring process. I think more and more we're seeing companies recognize that we're not going to hire an employee and keep them for 30 years like has been done in the past generations. I think we can recognize that's rare anymore. Good companies will not only recognize that, but they will cultivate those employees for whatever is down the road for them, which may or may not include their business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I recently had a situation where I was talking to someone and they were telling me about um, the fact that they were, they had a job opportunity to go to a different business and, but they liked the culture they were in. Um, And so even though the business that was offering them uh, another opportunity uh, was going to financially compensate them substantially more, um, they were a little bit hesitant to leave their organization because it was a really quality culture. And, I don't think that would have happened had that culture not been as good as that. But to that point, that particular person made the decision to go ahead and move to um, the new company. 
And whenever they spoke with their uh, senior leadership about the fact that they were moving and the opportunity was presented to them, they uh, encouraged them. They didn't try to hold them back. Um, They told them that they appreciated the work that they had done during the time they had been there, that they recognized that they had been given a good opportunity and that they wanted them to know that they were um, uh, wholeheartedly invested in them as a person for whatever was the best for them. And they wished them well and also let them know that, you know, if down the road there was uh, another opportunity that they would be welcome to return. Nice. And I, I think that's the right mindset. Uh, it's that, you know, we might lose this employee for a period of time, but who knows? We might gain them back, particularly mm-hmm. if we've established a culture and an environment that is really conducive to encouraging them to come back. So um, who's responsible in the end to make sure that it's a good culture and who's also responsible to ensure that there is purposeful work happening? Well, I think it always starts with leadership. Mm-hmm. It, it starts with those people that are in managerial positions who have authority and responsibility within that organization to establish that as the culture of that organization. Right. So, and it trickles down from there. As we close, I want to thank you for joining Well Maybe. If you enjoyed Honest Conversation, applauded unpolished responses, and appreciated humor, or you just wanted some great practical advice about communication and leadership, this is the podcast for you. Hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications. Send your questions and responses to wellmaybepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And let's connect next week for some fun and entertaining growing together. Until next time, sign in and out.